0: Welcome to Shure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on January 15th, 2023, on the basis of John chapter 1, verses 29 to 41. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I got kind of an a unusual phone call this week, not unusual in who it was from, it was a, a guy I talked to quite a bit, a pastor friend of mine, but immediately when he called, I could tell something was different. He, he immediately paused, didn't even say anything when he first got on the phone, and then he told me that, that he was on his way to the hospital because one of his members had committed suicide, After that initial shock, he wanted some advice. What can I say? How do I handle a situation like this? What could he do? Oh man, it's times like that as a pastor, um, as a human, that you feel wildly inadequate. What could he say? What could he do? Was there anything he could say or do? That feeling... It's not unique to a pastor. (laughs) I'm sure that you've had times in your your life where you felt a sense of inadequacy. (laughs) Maybe think of the time you you had your your first job. Not not your first high school job, but your first job job. I'm sure there were times that you you kind of stepped back and said, I have no idea what I'm doing here. (laughs) Or what should I do in a situation like this? (laughs) And if that hasn't happened to you in a job, I'm sure it's happened at some time in in your life, or it certainly will. A lot of times it happens in the transitions, right? As you go from grade school to high school, from high school to college, from college to living in an apartment on your own, from being single to being married to having one kid to having more than one kid, from from working full-time to being retired, (laughs) I'm sure you find yourself in, in, in situations that you never really expected. I'm sure you found yourself in situations that made you feel like you were inadequate, where you didn't really know what to do. (laughs) I think everybody feels like that at some time in their life. You can be prepared for a lot of things in life, but you cannot be prepared for everything. In fact, there are going to be times when you feel inadequate, and there are going to be times when your inadequacies are very obvious, not just to you, but to other people as well. So, so how do you deal with that? Now, how do you handle that feeling of inadequacy when it, when it comes? I, I'm sure it, it probably depends on the person. It probably depends on the situation to some degree. But can I, I propose to you what I think is what a lot of people do, maybe even all people do in some way, shape, or form. They will bring that feeling of insecurity, that feeling of inadequacy. They will bring that feeling into their interpersonal relationships, into their, their relationships with their family and with their friends and, and with anybody that's around them. Let me explain to you what I mean. You might have something that you feel very inadequate in, or you might feel very insecure about. And that might be very, something that's very obvious to you because you know yourself, you've lived with yourself uh, for a while, and so you know where you have that feeling. And because it's obvious to you, you kind of feel like it must be obvious to everybody else. Even though it's not something you typically share with someone else, it's not something that you're quick to divulge to somebody else, you think that they can see it. Because it's obvious to you, it must be obvious to them. They must be able to see that in you. And so when we get into conversations, practically, here's how it might play out. You're having a conversation with with somebody and they bring up something that's remotely connected or related to that thing that you feel insecure about, to that thing you feel inadequate in. And when that comes up in conversation, you think, they know. They know. They must see that in me. In fact, maybe they're even bringing that up on purpose just so they can get at me. And you might think that. And that person really has no idea. (laughs) They have no idea that you feel insecure about that. They have no idea that you feel inadequate in that way. They, They don't see that in you. It was just a pure coincidence. But what we're doing when we do that is we're bringing that insecurity, bringing that inadequacy into that relationship there. That happens a lot these days, not, not just in, in conversations like this, but especially in, in these sort of non-personal conversations that happen over email or text, uh, non-verbal kind of situations. I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone, that you'll get a text or an email from somebody, and you'll assume immediately that you know the tone in which that text or email was sent. And even more than that, You'll assume that you know the motivation with which that, that text or email has been sent, when in reality, you don't. I don't. I, I can't tell tone very easily from a text or an email, and I certainly can't look into somebody's heart and see the motivation with which they, they sent some, something. But, but here again, we bring our feelings of inadequacy, our feelings of insecurity, into our interpersonal relationships. And that's not just true on a person-to-person basis. We bring that into our relationship with God, too. You might be going through kind of a difficult time, or you can remember a time when you were going through a difficult time, when, when there was some pain or suffering in your life, and you might choose to interpret that as, God is punishing me. He's doing this because of what my inadequacy deserves. He's doing this because he's getting back at me for something. We may choose to, to take this, um, this suffering and this pain, and we may choose to use it as proof that God couldn't possibly love someone as inadequate as me, that God couldn't possibly save someone as inadequate as me. And here again, we're bringing our feelings of inadequacy and insecurity into our relationship with, with God. You know, if you could conceivably think of anybody who would feel this way, it had to have been John the Baptist, right? And it's not because John the Baptist's life was wrought with some obvious public sin, but because John the Baptist's life and ministry coincided with Jesus's. So in comparison to, to Jesus, John couldn't stand John was inadequate. How could, how could John compare to the, the, the chosen one, God's chosen one, the Messiah? How could John compare to the, the son of, of God? He couldn't. And if we were in John's shoes, we couldn't either. If the standard was perfection, if the standard was Jesus, we, we are all inadequate. Yet that's, that's kind of the, the point, <laughs> None of us are perfect, far from it. We are, are wrought with, with sin, with doubt, and with things that we should be ashamed of. We are inadequate, and so was John. But what John knew, and what I pray that you know too, is that that's okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Those inadequacies are, 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 are not okay, but because of Jesus, because of what Jesus came to do, they are. Because Jesus came to save the inadequate. (laughs) He came to save the the weak and the sinful. He came to save the lost and the broken. John knew that. And he knew that Jesus needed to be greater and he needed to become less. Jesus needed to be greater because he was. Jesus needed to be greater for John. Jesus needed to be greater for you and for, for me. Jesus needed to be the one who lived the perfect life that nobody, none of us, could live. Jesus needed to be able to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So John could say, he could point at Jesus and say, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're glad he said that, right? We're glad he said that because my, my sense of insecurity, my sense of inadequacy goes so deep. That that if John said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of Craig, I'd be convinced that he was talking about some other Craig. (laughs) But he didn't say that. He said the world because he meant the world. He said the world because he wanted you to know that, that he has forgiven all of your sins, even the ones that no one knows about, even the ones that you feel so guilty about that they still keep you up at night. He forgave the sins of the world, which means he forgave your sins too. John knew that he needed to become less because Jesus was more. That kind of sounds like a great motto of how to live the Christian life. Maybe a prayer that we'd say on a daily basis, Jesus, make me to be less so that you could be more it would be a great prayer to say every day, morning, noon, and night even, right? To remind ourselves that we need to be less so that Jesus could be more. And we need that reminder because it is so counterintuitive for us. It goes against every one of our natural instincts. Because when we become aware of an inadequacy, how we naturally handle that is we try to work to overcome it. We try to hide it. We try to make up for it any number of things, but, but we try to hide it so that we can deal with it on our own later. But Jesus proposes something different. He says, confess it. Confess it to me. Lay those inadequacies on me because I've already taken them to the cross. Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We, we, we've said it many times in this very place, but it bears repeating. There is nothing left to do. Because Jesus has already done it all. And as you hear that, every time you hear that, you take a big breath, right? You can exhale because the burden has been lifted. This is a great relief. There's nothing left to do. It's already been done. So all that's left to do is live in the freedom of that knowledge, in the freedom of what that gospel brings to you. All that's left to do is make sure other people know about that too. I suppose we're probably going to give a little short shrift to the second part of this, this reading for today. Uh, the, the calling of the first disciples here. Uh, but, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do this. I'll issue you an encouragement slash challenge today. Go home this week and read the book of Mark. And as you're reading through the, the book of Mark, uh, pay attention to the disciples. Because throughout the, the Gospel of Mark, or if you read any of the other Gospels, it'll become pretty obvious very quickly uh, that these guys were inadequate. They showed their inadequacies, not, not just in their, their lack of skill, per se, but, but also their sinfulness. They showed that on multiple occasions. But what Jesus did throughout his ministry is two things. He made known to the disciples that the forgiveness that he came to win, the salvation that he came to win, uh, was for them. That wasn't just for the other people out there. That was for them. That he was the the Lamb of God who who takes away the sins of the world, which includes the disciples. And he he encouraged them to be the ones, inadequate as they were, to to take the gospel, the life-changing gospel, to the ends of the earth. You know, that same encouragement exists for you today, too. You can trust that, that because Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, yeah, that means you, too. He took away your sins. And you can trust that he has called you, as insecure and inadequate as you may feel, to bring that life-changing message of the gospel to the, the ends of the earth, to everybody around, so that they might know that Jesus is more, and we're glad He is. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you liked this sermon and liked the content that we're producing as a church, could you do us a favor? Could you hit subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this on? That helps us be be heard by more people more often, so that more people might hear about Jesus and His love. Take care. Have a great week, and we'll see we'll see you next week for another sermon.